This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Nabil Biayo, and here's what's coming up. Who's beget other coups you know once you've established a precedent that you can seize power through extra constitutional means then what's to stop the next politically oriented military leader from doing the same thing that's joseph siegel director of research at africa center for strategic studies on burkina faso's second military coup in eight months also, U.S. climate envoy John Kerry asked the DRC to withdraw some of the oil blocks it put up for auction. Cameroon's president orders enforcement of a 2019 law on bilingualism. And South African police crack down on crime syndicates operating cybercrime networks. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. Burkina Faso's junta leader, Paul Henry Sandaugo Damiba, agreed to step down after military officers led by the new self-proclaimed leader, Ibrahim Traore, announced his removal from power Friday, sparking unrest in the West African country and international condemnation. Damiba himself came to power in a coup in January. Joseph Siegel, director of research at Africa Center for Strategic Studies, discussed the second coup in eight months with VOA senior analyst Mohamed Ashinawi. Well, it's not surprising at all. Coups beget other coups. You know, once you've established a precedent that you can seize power through extra constitutional means, then what's to stop the next politically oriented military leader from doing the same thing? And that's basically what we're seeing. And, you know, the justification that somehow they can do a better job in dealing with the country's security situation simply opens the door to anybody claiming that they're best suited to be the leadership. You know, it completely derails the country's commitment to a rules-based constitutional system. And, you know, it is facilitating greater instability within Burkina Faso's political institutions at a time when it needs to have the most stability and the most unity to deal with its very serious security challenges. Damiba himself offered his resignation following mediation between the Hunta chief and the new self-proclaimed leader Ibrahim Traoré by the religious and community leaders. They said that Damiba had set seven conditions for stepping down, including a guarantee of security for his allies in the military, a guarantee for his security and rights, and that those taking power must respect the pledge he had made to West Africa's regional bloc for a return to civilian rule within two years, and Traoré accepted those conditions. What's your take on the conditions? Well, I'm not that convinced of the sincerity to the commitment to uphold these conditions. Again, Damiba took power through unconstitutional means. So he was operating within his own legal framework. And now for Troy to make these promises to Damiba, you know, there's just nothing behind that that you know, will require him to uphold those commitments. It's very flimsy. I think what it does show is there are a lot of divisions within the Burkina Faso military, and Burkina Faso is in a very fragile place right now. Now more than ever, Burkina Faso needs a rules-based legitimate government 
that can mobilize the whole of society effort that's going to be needed to defeat the jihadists that are bearing down from central Mali. And this is going to require commitment from all parts of Burkina Faso society, and it's going to require commitment from international actors. You know, that is the seriousness of the threat. And, and that's only going to happen when you have a credible government in place that is, again, going to be able to elicit the support of the entire population and do so in a strategic, a rules-based manner. We'll have to wait and see what uh, Troy and his junta do. But, you know, the experience with other West African coups has been these leaders are not committed to transitions. These leaders are seizing power for power, power's sake. You know, they're there to take reins of the, of the government, take control over the sovereign uh, accounts, and use it to advance their own political interest. And so, you know, we don't have a, a great grounds for confidence that uh, Troy is going to move forward with the transition. That was Joseph Siegel, Director of Research at Africa Center for Strategic Studies, speaking with VOA Senior Analyst Mohamed Shinawi. On the sidelines of climate talks in Kinshasa, U.S. Climate Envoy John Kerry has asked the Democratic Republic of Congo to withdraw some of the oil blocks that it has put up for auction. According to Reuters, environmentalists say the development of the oil and gas industry could harm the country's rainforest, which absorb carbon pollution and prevent the release of heat-trapping gases. The meeting includes over 50 environmental ministers from around the world and offers developing countries the opportunity to advocate common positions at the COP27 climate summit in Egypt next month. Participants are continuing to urge industrialized countries to provide $100 billion per year to help the developing world finance projects to fight severe weather, weather events. According to Reuters, one energy official said Tuesday that fossil fuels may be needed in the short term to expand economies and electricity throughout Africa. Amani Abouzaid, the AU Commissioner for Infrastructure and Energy, said one solution does not fit all. The Ugandan government has distanced itself from remarks on Twitter by Lieutenant General Mahuzi Kinagugaba, the son of President Yuri Museveni, that caused tension with neighboring Kenya. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs said in a statement today that the government does not conduct its foreign policy functions via social media. In a related development, Museveni, who is the Commander-in-Chief of Defense, promoted his son from Lieutenant General to General, the highest rank in the Army, but dropped his title as Commander of Land Forces. Charles Mwanguya is a political analyst and host of the political show Hotline on BBS Television. My colleague Douglas Mpuga reached him in Kampala for reaction on these developments. It's quite interesting. Uh, it's uh, the dominant discussion uh, on social media groups, especially WhatsApp. What's happening is that people are picking uh, from Twitter and are distributing on other larger group social media platforms, especially WhatsApp. And uh, it's pretty much mixed because some people are discussing uh, the reaction of the Kenyans who picked up the discussion yesterday and made it really big. And uh, some Ugandans are trying to read into what this means for both General Mohozi and the power structure within Kampala. Talking of what it means to General Mohozi, 
uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs has issued a statement reiterating its cooperation with Kenya and it's a strong relationship. That, that means both governments are taking the, the issue very seriously, aren't they? Yes, many senior politicians in Kenya, including in cabinet and in parliament, picked up the discussion yesterday from the general public and we are making, we are making demands on their government to make demands on the Ugandan government from Kampala to respond to that statement. So the ministry statement, the Minister of Foreign Affairs statement from Kampala, is not, did not come as a surprise. It means that the tweets patched off a very sensitive diplomatic relations uh, between uh, Kenya and Uganda. We understand there has been uh, some changes in as far as Mohosi's Kanirugawa's assignment in the army is concerned. That is the latest development. Uh, just this afternoon, the spokesperson of uh, the Army, uh, Brigadier General Felix Kulaije, released a statement whose contents had actually leaked a little bit uh, earlier than he released it, indicating that uh, President Jerry Seven, who is the Commander-in-Chief, uh, has promoted Lieutenant General Mohosi the, the rank of full general, and also dropped him from the command of the land forces, appointing his place former Major General Kayanja Mohanga, who has since been promoted to the rank of Lieutenant General. And how do we see this uh, thing ending? Does that solve, will that stop uh, General Mohosi from further tweets? That is the interesting part. That's what everybody is watching out for, because uh, where things stand now, uh, there are two schools of thought. One is that he's been, uh, to use the local uh, the local cliche here is that he's been put on Katebe, removed from a command position. Some people think this might give him legroom because he retained his position as a senior presidential advisor to special operations, uh, which might give him a little bit more legroom to engage uh, more freely in political discussions and his uh, Twitter exchanges, which have been uh, very interesting. They attracted a lot of comments. Uh, from his followers. They attract a lot of uh, debate on social media platforms, and they have grown his followership uh, significantly over the last few years. So whether this is a move to free him and allow him to tweet without the limitations of holding a senior command position, whether some people have speculated that this could actually allow it to be an indication that he might be retired soon, and therefore if he's retired, that clears the way uh, for him to consider running for political office in 2026. There is a lot of that speculation going on among different sections of Uganda. Charles Mwanguya is a political analyst and host of the political show Hotline on BBS television. He spoke with Douglas Mpuga by phone from Kampala. Former South African President Thabo Mbeki says he won't apologize for comments that medical scientists say could harm the continental fight against HIV. In the 1900s, in the 1990s and 2000s, Mbeki regularly made international headlines by saying HIV did not cause AIDS and that medicines proven to treat it were toxic. Last week, Mbeki repeated his dissident views to the dismay of health workers. Darren Taylor reports. The former president told students in Pretoria he still doesn't believe the scientific consensus that HIV causes AIDS. If you say there's a virus which causes a disease, I understand that. But they're not saying that. There's a virus which causes a syndrome. I'm not a medical doctor. 
but the logic of it to me that sounds funny. And bear in mind that medical science itself has got many other causes of immune deficiency. Malnutrition causes immune deficiency. During Mbeki's administration, he labelled antiretroviral or ARV medication as poison, even though science proved it prevented people from dying of AIDS. He refused to give ARVs to HIV-positive South Africans until a court forced him to begin a rollout program in 2003. Reflecting on his time in office, Mbeki told students he and his health minister, Manto Chabalala Msimang, believed that a healthy diet was the best way to combat HIV, not ARVs. Nutrition is very, very critical to solving this problem. And that's why she was saying, therefore you must take garlic and beetroot and so on. She was not saying hey, those things and then you're going to be cured. She was raising the matter about the importance of nutrition. And those particular types of foods, even today, have been raised in the context of this COVID-19. But there's somebody who's making a lot of money out of this particular story. And so you stand up and say something which is threatening the prophets, then you are in real, real trouble. Thanks a lot. Mbeki's often suggested the global pharmaceutical industry created a market for ARVs to get rich. He also brands those who oppose him racists because he says they spread lies that Africans are overwhelmingly promiscuous. South African HIV scientist Linda Gale Becker says Mbeki's latest remarks are extremely disappointing. She says science has proven beyond doubt that HIV causes AIDS. The acquired immune deficiency syndrome or AIDS happens to people if they don't make a diagnosis, get onto antiretrovirals and stay on antiretroviral therapy. It's a painful death and it's a sure death. This is an incurable condition and it's very, very disruptive at the very least for a political leader to put this kind of very harmful information out in the public domain. It's wrong. And yes, I think he needs to retract or keep quiet, frankly. Becker says Mbeki's misguided and dangerous beliefs caused great harm in the past and could do so again. How many people died needlessly because they refused to go on to antiretrovirals, because they believed that antiretrovirals were dangerous and were not needed? And we want to be sure that that doesn't happen again. We have a country of 8 million people living with HIV. We have about 5.4 on, which means we've still got 2 to 3 million people out there who need to know their diagnosis, need to go into antiretrovirals. And the people who are on antiretrovirals need to stay on them in order to ensure that their health and well-being is maintained. In 2008, a Harvard University study concluded more than 330,000 people died prematurely from AIDS between 2000 and 2005 due to the Mbeki government's refusal to give them life-saving treatment. Becker says Mbeki's words carry great weight across the continent and he's questioning the efficacy of and necessity for ARVs to new audiences is shameful. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. The United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF, warns that only a third of 10-year-olds globally can read and understand simple, simple written material. The organization says the situation is compounded by prolonged school closures and a lack of access to quality learning during the COVID-19 pandemic. As a result, millions of children lack numeracy and literacy skills. Mavis Ochere Juazo in the Ashanti region of Ghana has more on the story. Felicity Chibindat, UNICEF Deputy Regional Director for West and Central Africa, says the situation is critical in sub-Saharan Africa, where only one out of ten children can read or understand a simple text by the age of ten. She says four out of five adolescents do not finish secondary school. Therefore, they do not acquire adequate skills to access essential social services or information. She says over 105 million children, primary and secondary age in Africa are out of school, a situation exacerbated by COVID-19. She says at the height of the pandemic, more than 90% of students in Africa had their learning disrupted by school closures. Even when schools reopened, many of them didn't come back to school. We have, for instance, some of the data from Liberia showing that 43% of students in public schools did not return when school reopened in December 2020. And what we are learning, because we did a continental survey that reached 600,000 young Africans. Chibindat says the situation can be attributed to a lack of resources for schools, including materials such as exercise books, sanitation facilities, and lack of clean water, outdated curriculum, and overcrowded classrooms. She says many teachers on the continent are unpaid, unqualified, noting there is the present need for well-trained, equipped, and motivated teachers. She says in Africa, an additional 17 million teachers would be needed to achieve universal primary and secondary education by 2030. She says in a recent survey with young people, they indicated that they needed more teachers and wished for better trained teachers to enable them to acquire basic skills such as reading, mathematics, and also life skills such as critical thinking, goal setting, and team skills which are needed for the job market. She says if nothing is done, a learning crisis could put an entire generation at risk. We will really fail the, an entire generation. We will fail the future, the dream, but also that we will have really uh, consequences on the, on the continent, uh, continent progress. So it's really important uh, to have um, uh, the, the, the funding. Uh, we need more investment. It's not only about the volume of the investment is also about the efficiency of the spending including the equity the transparency and the accountability she says to share more light on the education crisis exacerbated by covid unicef has displayed a model classroom at un headquarters in new york she says a third of the decks 
in the display are made of wood and fully functioning. An iconic UNICEF backpack is placed on the school chair behind it, representing one-third of 10-year-olds globally estimated to be able to read and understand a simple written story. The remaining two-thirds of decks are made of clear material to signify the 64% of children estimated to be unable to read and understand a simple written story by age 10. Written on a large chalkboard at the front of the room are the words absent 168 million children. Reporting for VOA, this is May Resultory in Drasso in the Ashanti region of Ghana. The war in Ukraine has had a clear impact on food shortages and fuel prices. In Zimbabwe, critics also are linking it to donor fatigue for funding projects in governance, democracy and other development works. From Harari, reporter Kutsai Venafashi has more details. Pride Mukono is a political activist with a background in the civic society. We have seen over the last seven, eight months that most in Western countries who are the major donors for both development and democracy and governance work in Africa, generally, you know, prioritizing funding Ukraine for its military defense against the Russian invasion. So this automatically means that there's competition of resources between the funding, developmental and uh, you know, governance and democratic projects in Africa vis-a-vis the military defense of Ukraine. And I think it is clear uh, that the priority has been Ukraine. Vivid Kwede is a political analyst who has also worked in Zimbabwe civic society. He says the Ukraine war has had a ripple effect. We are also seeing that uh, the world economy, because of this war, is probably also going to be affected in terms of suffering recession. So what we are saying, the, the, the war in Ukraine has global consequences. And this is important. This is why it is important uh, for uh, the international community, also for Africa, to support a quick resolution uh, to that uh, war and to that crisis so that the global uh, economy, the global situation stabilizes. Mukono gives an example of how Western countries has been supporting Ukraine and how it will impact African countries. That means that uh, the funds that could have been directed towards development work and uh, uh, governance and democracy in Africa is being restreamed, in fact, as we speak to, to Ukraine. Yeah, the U.S., which is the, one of the biggest funders, uh, has put in close to $15 billion into the Ukrainian war, showing its commitment and seriousness when it comes to, to defending Ukraine. And that automatically means that the USA faces... Uh, funding cuts, especially for its work in Africa and other in the other parts of the developing world. Zimbabwe heads into elections in 2023, and critics say normally there will be a massive rollout of water education and registration by non-profit organizations, but that is not the case. Civic society organizations worry about possible impact on the critical watchdog role in the campaign and election process, and other donor-funded work. For VOA, this is Kudzai Zunawashi from Harare. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. 
On behalf of studio engineer Robert Christopher McLean and producer Mukbil Yaburu, thank you again for tuning in and for choosing the Voice of America. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station.